Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 2nd of January in the year 2023 and Alhamdulillah we've completed the second week, the 14th night that we're going through the blessed and exalted life of the illustrious companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik and I'm on the section in which we're taking a glimpse into his education as given by our beloved Messenger where he specifically addressed him as Ya Bunayya, my beloved son and the point I read yesterday is where he mentioned oh my beloved son be sure to avoid being distracted in Salah for to become distracted in Salat is a disaster. And then I mentioned the various reports helping us to understand this. And similarly, in Behaki in his Sunan 2-284, Anas, he said, Rasulullah once said to me, said Allah, Ya Anas, Aj'al basadaka haythu tasjud. O Anas, direct your vision to the place of prostration. Ya Anas, aj'al basaraka haythu tasjud. Direct your vision to the place of prostration. So now the Prophet has told his cousin, that when you are offering salah, keep your eyes focused on the place of prostration. So, why? There's another report. In Ibn Maj and Targheem number 325, our beloved mother Sayyidah Umm Salama, radiyallahu she clarified. During the lifetime of Rasulullah when the worshippers stood up to offer salah, then the sight of one of them would go beyond the place of his feet. Mm. Then Rasulullah passed away and thereupon when a worshipper amongst the people stood up to offer salah, the sight of none of them went beyond the spot his forehead touched, i.e. prostration. Mm. Then Abu Bakr passed away, radiallahu, and Umar radiallahu succeeded him. And when a worshipper amongst the people stood up to offer salah, the sight of none of them went beyond the direction of the Qibla. Then Umar radiallahu passed away, and Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu succeeded him, and the fitna erupted, whilst the people, I during salah, were now looking to the right and left. So what was our mother highlighting? She was highlighting that the salah, if not offered correctly, impacts you externally. The valuable lesson which our beloved mother was elucidating upon was that if one truly guards one salah, then this will have an immense impact externally, especially amongst the unity of the Muslims. So look how interesting. In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, she said, the place of the worshippers would not go beyond the place of their feet. So when they stood, their heads were literally uh, bowing as if they were in complete submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then look how interesting. The Prophet leaves. ﷺ. Abu Bakr becomes the Khalif and now the sight did not go beyond the place of prostration which the Prophet told Anas. ﷺ. When Abu Bakr left the world, 
their sight did not go past beyond the direction of the Qibla. Now what does that mean? It meant they were still offering Salat perfectly, but there was a movement in the eye slightly away from the place of prostration. <laughs> and then when Uthman became the Khalif, look what she said, the fitna erupted. Why? Because the Salat is deteriorating. <laughs> and then she said, people were now looking to the right and left. This doesn't mean they were terminating their Salat. It meant they were just, like people do now, they have a glance for no reason to the right and left. <laughs> So why did our mother mention that? She was saying that, look how you should learn. Look what happened. The fitna erupted. Now imagine if somebody asked you, what was the cause of the fitna? So you get the people, some go into the politics. Some will go into the history of the conspiracy of the, uh, the Bani Israel infiltrating the fifth column. Which one would say, well, before all that, it's Salah. Straight away a person would question because what's Salah going to do with the fitna? So that's what she was highlighting our mother. She goes, it's affecting you. So the more you guard your prayer, the more it will impact outwardly. But the less you guard it, and look at the state of the Muslims. So you can actually say, we're in this mess because we're not guarding our Salah. <laughs> Subhanallah, what would our beloved mother have said if she could see the state of affairs in today's day and age? <laughs> To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I complain. This is Uthman's Khalifa. He goes, Fitna erupted. Because people were glancing to the right and left. Now imagine, just a glance to the right and left causes Fitna. What about those who are blatantly looking up? Then imagine, Allah, you're looking at me in Salat. No, I wasn't. Then you think, well, you must be in a trance. So note Anas, what was he told? Anas was told, keep your eyes focused on the place of prostration. Again related, in Bukhari in his Tariq al-Kabir 3-202, number, number 692, Tabrani in his Kitab al-Dua, number 206 or 1-85, Anas he relates, I went out together with Rasulullah from the dwelling to the masjid. So it's important that they were heading towards the masjid. A group of people were in the masjid. Raising their hands and supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah thereupon said to me, Sallallahu Do you see what I now see in the people's hands, O Anas? I responded, What do you see in their hands, Ya Rasulullah? Sallallahu alayhi wa said, Noor, illumination. I thereupon humbly requested, Udullah an yuriyani, supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow me to see this Ya Rasulullah. Thus he supplicated, and subhanallah, I saw the nur. He thereupon said, Ya Anas, asta'ajal bina hatta nushriq al qawm. O Anas, hurry with us in order to join the people. فَأَسْرَعَتُ مَعَ نَبِيِّ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم فَرَفَعْنَا أَيْدِيَنَا Thus I hurried together with the Prophet of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and we also raised our hands. <laughs> Let's look at this. So this is recorded by Imam Bukhari in his Tariq Al-Kabir. So they head into the masjid and there are people and they are offering dua. So what did the Prophet ﷺ see? Which nobody could see except him. <laughs> 
He said, do you see what I'm now seeing, O Anas? Because only Anas was with him. And look how truthful he was. He goes, what do you see? I don't see hands being raised. He said, Noor. <laughs> so what was the request now of Anas? He wanted to see it. <laughs> so he goes, Ya Rasulullah, can you make a du'a? So look how interesting. There's two du'as taking place now. One is the du'a which the people are making in the masjid. One is the Prophet's du'a. As soon as the Prophet makes the du'a, he sees it. And then what did the Prophet Sallallahu say? Huri, let's join them. <laughs> Meaning we want also this nur. And then Anas said, I hurried with Rasulullah and we joined in the du'a. We raised our hands. <laughs> so now, should we find this surprising? <laughs> and the answer is no. Why? Because you need to understand the virtue of du'a. <laughs> For instance, in Tirmidhi number 3548, Shaykh Albani states Hassan in Sayyih al Jami number 3409, our beloved messenger said, For whomever the door of du'a is opened, then in reality, all the doors of mercy are open for him. Subhanallah. For whoever the door of du'a is opened, then in reality, all the doors of mercy are open for him. So what's the key word? All. Allahumma ftahli abwaab rahmatik. What's that du'a? We went to the masjid. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, open the doors of your mercy. But does that open all the doors of your Allah's mercy? No. Even entering the masjid doesn't do it. <laughs> You're asking for the doors to be opened. Mm. The Prophet ﷺ told you one deed. And that one deed is so beloved, it opens all the doors of mercy. Mm. Think about that. Mm. One door is enough. Isn't one door of mercy enough for this? Mm. Somebody goes, you got 10% of the doors. Alhamdulillah, brother. Mm. Oh, no, no, I made a mistake. 20%. Fantastic, brother. No, sorry, brother. 100%. <laughs> 100% what is that deep brother it's got to be something so difficult for me to do 100% of the divine mercy is a very difficult deed what you need to raise your hands and then the guy looks he goes dua opens all the doors yeah did you know that so if you don't make dua what's happening and what's interesting in Hakim it is Mustadrak Sahih the Prophet said Salat is the key to all goodness so what's the link? Dua is the opens up all the doors of Rahmah. Salat opens all the doors of goodness. So if you offer Salah and you make Dua, how powerful is that Dua going to be? You've opened up all the doors of goodness. Now you're going to open all the doors of mercy. So maybe this is what Rasulullah saw. He goes, Noor. Quickly, Anas. And imagine they're running to the masjid. Did the Prophet need the dua? And yeah, he's running to the masjid. The reason he opens all the doors of mercy is because Rasulullah said, there is nothing more nobler in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than dua. There is nothing more nobler in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than dua. This is in Tirmidhi, Ahmad Hakim, Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah alayhi states Hassan in Sayyih al-Jami number 5392. I think about that. When we say that was a very noble thing you did, brother, do you need to know what he's doing? You automatically know he's done something good. But if somebody goes, I saw an act 
and there is nothing noble. Nobody can supersede that person. Now you're talking. Somebody goes, "What is that deep, brother? What do you mean nobody can be more noble? What would you expect to see? So you would have thought a person giving his life on the battlefield? Nope. A person giving all his wealth in the path of Allah? Nope. A person marrying, you know, family of the Prophet? No. What's the most noblest thing? You see a person making dua. So what does that tell you? It's not what you think. Right? You don't value dua. Right? It doesn't matter what you think. And the proof that you don't value it is you don't do it. It opens up all the doors of mercy. And it's the most noblest thing in the sight of Allah. So shaitan is going to pour his venom into it. And what does he do? He starts giving you doubts. <coughs> your du'as don't get answered. Don't waste your time. That's one of his whispers. And who's telling you that? Think about that. Look how interesting. The one who made du'a and Allah Ta'ala answered his du'a. He's telling you that. Let me live till the day of judgment. Okay? Allah Ta'ala answered his du'a and he's telling you your du'as aren't going to get answered. He's lying to you. Then what does he say? You don't know how to make du'a. It's better doing a du'a behind a righteous person. Where are you going to find this righteous person? Right? When do you actually do a congregational du'a? Shaitan is making sure to cut out all the doors of mercy. He doesn't want any rahmah to reach you. And he doesn't want you to be noble in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah ta'ala told us to stand on one leg, and we knew that it pleased him, wouldn't you immediately stand on one leg? Or do you start asking questions? Like people do. Which leg? Do I need to face the Qibla? Do I need to have socks on? People who ask these questions, they don't do it. And it's the same with dua, you know it's brother, the most is it but when you need to have voodoo. You need to face the qibla, right? You're doing it again, brother. Right? Just make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> what was the most constant deed the Prophet did? Dua. Where's the proof? There is not anything you can think of for which there is not a dua. Somebody goes, think of something. Putting your clothes on, dua. Going to the toilet, dua. Going to sleep, dua. Waking up, dua. About to drop dead, dua. Right? Think about it, dua for everything. Intimacy with your wife on wedding night, dua. Right? Miswak, dua. After wudu, dua. Before wudu, dua. Right? Going to graveyard, dua. Entering masjid, dua. What's these duas? Because it's the most noblest thing. So what does shaitan do? Too many duas. You don't need to learn them. Then why did the prophet learn them? And teach you. Because Allah Ta'ala loves to when a person makes dua. One of the signs of the awliya is he's obsessed with duas. Why? Because the Prophet was obsessed with duas. <coughs> so people have asked me, he goes, why do you make five duas for eating? So the response should be, is there any more? Right? Like the hell says, are there any more? Why did the, the, the response is very easy. Why did the Prophet do it? You're asking the Prophet, why did you make 5, 6, 7, 8, 12, 30 du'as after eating? The question isn't for him, it's for you. Why aren't you making those du'as? And each du'a has something special. They're not redundant, not in the least. And it's nothing more noble, think about that, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, the Prophet sallallahu what did he say? He goes, the most incapable, lazy person is the one who does not make dua. <laughs> now think about it. When you say, ah, I can't believe how lazy this person is. Who am I talking about? <laughs> so you think of a cow, you know, couch potato in it. You think, well, the guy's probably sleeping at home. Got box sets ready. Pizza, pizzas are being delivered to his house. Doesn't leave his settee. No. There's somebody more lazy than him. 
सबको मेमोर और द गाइन बेड वो नीज अ क्रेन टू टेक हिम आउट व्हेन ही 60 स्टोन नो दे समबडी मोर लेजी देन देन ही गोस वो कम मोर लेजी देन दे गोस यू for allah brother what are you talking about i go to gym four times a week don't care if you go seven times a week the prophet said there is nobody more lazy incapable there's something wrong with him look at rasulullah's love for this deed said allah alayhi salam rush anas rush and anas rushed what was that noor that's interesting you know think about that you know if you really look into it what was this noor the prophet was seeing noor means light but how does light benefit a person but that's all we get from the hadith it was noor and noor is maybe the angels being present as well alayhi salatu wasalam on the theme of dua anas also said radiyallahu in asfahani targhib hafiz zahbi in his kabair i once asked ya rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam supplicate to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me to make my dua acceptable the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said o anas radiyallahu to have an acceptable dua you should then eat only the halal mm. since a person may be deprived of his dua being answered for 40 days just because of eating a morsel of haram food mm. so look how interesting anas radiyallahu said ya rasulullah please make a dua that my duas get answered <laughs> the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't make dua look how interesting <laughs> all he told him was you need to eat the halal mm. not the tayyib that's the mercy of allah <laughs> halal means just the loaf because a person may be <laughs> deprived look at the wording people miss quote because your duas are not answered it doesn't say that you idiot you're misquoting the prophet a person may be deprived of his dua being answered for 40 days just because of eating a morsel of haram meaning allah taala can still answer it but there may be some problems now and notice he didn't say a meal a morsel and is halal and haram notice the halal opens up the duas being answered very quickly and the haram staggers the dua right if allah taala wants you still answer where's the proof he still answers the people who eat? the proof is amongst us how many times have we consumed the haram have none of your duas been answered duas do get answered but is fair to say is not answered as quickly as those of the righteous why because something's happened so not again why is anas asking that don't forget he's a, he's he's you know he's is either a young child or he's a teenager he's asking these questions to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam look what he's observing with the prophet he's with him all the time sallallahu alaihi wasallam subhanallah where then does that leave many sinners like ourselves who frequently grumble that our duas are not being answered Anas is asking, Ya Rasulullah, please make dua that my duas get answered. What do we ask? My duas don't get answered. And the response is, well, there's a huge difference between the two. Consider also the report which helps to explain. In Tibmadi and Tabarani, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he relates, This verse was once recited in the presence of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 168. ابی وقاص ردی اللہ 
and he requested Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi to make du'a for him so that his du'as should readily be granted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi said, Ya Sa'ad, purify your eatables. For by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no man swallows a forbidden morsel into his stomach. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept any of his deeds for 40 days. I.e. he will not be rewarded for them. However, his obligation would have been fulfilled. Always bear in mind, the person who is nourished on the unlawful can have nothing but hell for his body. Oh, Sa'ad. <laughs> so now look how interesting. The Rasulullah recited a verse. And what did he, he recite? Sallam, Eat of that which is lawful and pure. Is the verse got anything to do with the dua? So why is Sa'ad standing up and saying, please make dua that my duas get answered? He knew it's linked. And the Prophet appreciated that. What did he say? He goes, purify your eatables. In other words, correct. And then he says, if you eat even a morsel of the haram, nothing of yours is accepted for 40 days. So let alone dua being staggered, you're doing your deeds, but nothing's been accepted. In the sense, there's no reward. So you, you fulfill the farad. So even if you go to hajj, one, two, three of the imams, if you go to hajj with haram wealth, your hajj obligation is fulfilled. But there's no reward. Imam Ahmad said, no, it's not accepted. So why did they say that? Because the Prophet is telling you. Because nothing's been accepted. Is hajj an exception? But majority of scholars say the reward is gone. The obligations for that's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then he said again the same thing. Whoever is nourished on the unlawful, hell is waiting for him. Now what's shocking? Even that exalted personality for whom Rasulullah had specifically supplicated for, that his du'as be readily answered, was warned that let alone his supplications not being answered, but also the entirety of his good deeds would not be accepted, I rewarded. Thus who else on earth could be spared from such a dire threat? So what do we know about Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas? He was the knight of Islam. He was the maternal uncle of the Prophet. He's one of the ten Prophets' paradise. He was amongst the you know, consultative assembly. Umar would have appointed him the Khalif, etc, etc. He's the conqueror of Persia. His du'as were guaranteed to be answered. The Prophet made a du'a. And yet, he still told him. He didn't say, oh Sa'ad, you don't need to worry. I've already made du'a for you. He told him, make sure that the halal, only the halal enters your body. And look how fearful he was. You know, I mentioned it, but I mentioned it in brief. He had so much wealth, Sa'ad. He was blessed with a lot of wealth and he had vineyards, you know, where he go grow grapes. So one of the ones who were looking after his vineyards, he said, some of the grapes have got a bit old. Can I use them? And Sa'ad goes, I don't want you working on my land anymore. Didn't even ask. He didn't say, well, why do you want to use those grapes? They're getting old. He put doubt into Sa'ad and Sa'ad just went, you're fired. Why? Because he was that fearful. He said, I don't want anybody working. He's got these thoughts with regards to how flippant they are with regards to the loaf and the unloaf. So no, this is why they were so great. And look at the sheikhs, the sheikhin. was famously mentioned about when they ate the haram. 
They started to put their fingers in their mouths. Umar vomited. Abu Bakr couldn't vomit. And he was so worried. And somebody goes, drink water. I've heard water will bring the morsel out. So he starts drinking water. And eventually that morsel comes out. And somebody goes, you almost killed yourself. He goes, I would have killed myself. Then he mentioned the same thing. These are the two sheikhs of this ummah. Now, oh brother, that was haram. You know, brother, Allah Ta'ala is forgiving him merciful. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Where's the people who start to vomit? Imagine how many times that happened. Sometimes it's still in your mouth. So now, brother, may Allah forgive me. Why did you swallow it? Right? And he goes, well, you see my mouth in it. Juice has gone down throat. So it's coming out with thick. Juice has already gone down. MashaAllah. So all I mentioned today was Sayyidina Anas again with the beloved Messenger where he instructed him to keep his vision at the place of prostration. And then I mentioned how he was taught with regards to the value of dua. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka wa bihamdi ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka wa bihamdi ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka wa bihamdi ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa